Vox Quick Hits. What in the world is going on with lumber? It's a question a lot of people are asking. Lumber mania is sweeping North America right now. There's been a huge surge in the price of lumber, if people can get their hands on it at all. Lots of people have decided to renovate their homes or build new ones during the pandemic, and they've seen thousands of dollars added to their costs. The internet has picked up on the lumber frenzy and has turned it into a meme on platforms like TikTok and Twitter. If everything goes as planned, next payday, I may get that sheet of plywood I've been eyeballing. Yo, how much was that lumber over there? That lumber over there is going to be $800 for 1,000 feet. What? Bro, that's way too damn expensive. It was literally $400 last April. We were going to build a cedar pergola, but it's just nuts right now. It's even sparked conspiracy theories that there isn't a shortage at all, though people in the industry are sure that's not the case. There really just isn't enough wood to go around. Paul Yonke is an economist at Forest Economic Advisors, and he's here to talk about America's lumber craze. So I want to talk to you about why this is happening, but I think that before we do that, we need sort of a basic primer on the supply chain here. How does a tree become like a beam in your house? It actually starts a little bit before the tree. You actually have to plant the tree, and then depending on the region that you're in, it takes anywhere from 30 to 120 years to grow that tree. Um, once that tree is grown, you have somebody who goes out, cuts the tree down, takes all the branches off, puts it onto a truck, brings it to the sawmill. They convert it into lumber there. And then generally what happens from there is that a wholesaler will buy the lumber, um, and then that wholesaler will in turn sell it to a retailer. The big boxes do oftentimes buy directly from the mills, but today, lumber is so hard, so difficult to find that the big boxes are also going to the um, to the wholesalers as well. And to be clear here, timber and lumber are also different things. Timber is the tree, lumber is like the final product. That's exactly it. Timber is, is the tree, the round thing that grows in the woods. Um, even after they chop it down, we would call it timber as long as it's round. Once it goes through the sawmill, they take that round log and they change it into a bunch of rectangular boards and that's when it becomes lumber. So a lot of people are kind of vaguely aware that something's going on with lumber. Maybe they're trying to add a deck to their home and it's really expensive, or they've noticed a shortage at Home Depot, or they've just kind of seen it in the news. So I think to start out, how much does lumber cost right now compared to where it has been historically? We measure lumber prices on a dollars per thousand board foot basis. And lumber prices today are about $1,550. If we looked back a year ago, they were about $350. So quite a large increase. And, you know, that's a measure that someone like myself would look at. But if you were somebody who was just going to Home Depot to buy some lumber, mm -hmm. that translates into about $10 per 10-foot 10 stick of lumber. So if you were thinking of you need to do some work on your deck and you were going to buy 10 pieces of lumber, yeah, you're looking at 100 bucks today. Whereas if you were doing this uh, a year ago, you'd probably be looking at about um, $25 to $30. Wow. So from my understanding, what's happening with this kind of lumber mania right now is that it's a relatively straightforward supply and demand issue. So let's start on the demand side. 
what is going on? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's um, demand is extremely strong. Most lumber is used in residential construction. So somewhere around 30 to 35% is used in new residential construction, which was also the same historically for repair and remodeling. So that's additions, alterations. You own a home and you want to improve that home. Lately, repair and remodeling has been very, very strong. So that's up to um, closer to 40% right wow. now. So if we look at just those two markets, which make up about 75% of lumber consumption, there are really, really strong tailwinds pushing those demand in those markets higher. So since the beginning of the Great Recession, housing starts, which is an indicator of new residential construction, have averaged below any recessionary low since World War II. Wow. So that's an incredible fact, actually, to, to think that for 12 years now, housing starts have averaged lower than any recessionary low. So what that's meant on the demand side is we've just simply not been producing enough homes. So there's what's called a bunch of pent-up demand. So people who might have wanted to buy a home or who might have wanted to separate out are not. You have parents living with their adult children. You have unrelated people living together in the same households. Um, and you have kids living together longer, say, after they get out of school. So now, as we're now quite far beyond the Great Recession and incomes have gone up, we start to see some of these households separating out. So some of this pent-up demand that, we, that has built up over the past 10 years is starting to be released. On top of that, if we're just looking at this on a short-term basis, once the pandemic hit, mm -hmm. people didn't... Um, they didn't have anywhere to spend their time or their money, right? You couldn't go out to a restaurant anymore. You couldn't go to a cultural event. You couldn't go to a sporting event. You couldn't travel. Um, vacationing stopped. And, and what were people doing? Well, they were spending their time in their homes, looking around, seeing all the things that needed to be fixed. Yeah. <laughs> and oh, by the way, they were working from home. So they maybe wanted to add on that extra room in order to make their office space a little bit nicer. So we saw this really large increase in demand, both from new residential construction surging and from R&R activity increasing as well, that repair and remodeling activity increasing. Yeah, so basically it was a long-term trend and then the pandemic hit and everybody realized that they hated their house. To be exactly. a little bit like. <laughs> <laughs> they, Yes, and because they were forced to spend so much time there, they said, wow. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's relatable. Um, so what about the supply side here? The industry wasn't ready for this? Yeah, and this goes back to that, that 12 years of just really recessionary low housing starts. What do you do as an industry when you have a 12-year recession? Well, you start to cut back on your capacity. So we saw a number of mills close. We lost about 10 billion board feet of capacity. And then the other portion was once the pandemic hit, the lumber industry, like every other industry, was looking around at what happened in China. They were looking at what happened in, in Italy, and they saw these massive closures and really very sharp declines in economic activity. And so out of abundance of caution, they cut back on production. And we saw production curtailments of anywhere from 15% all the way up to 50%. So about 50% of the capacity in, in BC, for instance, was shut down. So the industry really dramatically reduced its, its production. And then as it turns out, demand actually didn't decline. And initially, the mills didn't really believe that demand was going to be sustainable, so they didn't jump right back in and start producing. But you know, after about a, a month and a half, two months, they wanted to get back and start producing. 
But then you ran into the COVID-induced labor supply shortages. And to clarify, when you say BC, you mean British Columbia. And yeah, yeah, sorry, British Canada. Columbia. Yes. Um, and just another quick clarification. When you say recessionary low, what do you mean by that? So if we look at housing starts, they cycle. So when demand for housing is really strong, you'll see housing starts move up to 1.7, 1.8, 2 million units. But when demand starts to weaken, and as we get into a recession, you'll see housing starts start to fall. And historically, if you go back to World War II, the recessionary lows were around 1.1 million, 1.2 million. Our average over the past uh, decade has been down around a million units. Wow. So really, it just never bounced back from the recession until now. It's Yes. And it's, it's really interesting because for most people, the economy was actually doing pretty well in the latter part of the the 2000 teens, right? I mean, we, we had the stock market was starting to scream. We had economic activity starting to come back. But it really wasn't, that wasn't happening in the lumber industry. And also be, because housing starts were so weak. And, and this didn't just affect lumber production. This also affect downstream or upstream, if you will, to the machinery manufacturers, for instance. Mm. So people ask, well, how come lumber capacity hasn't increased right now? Well, in part, it's because that same 12-year weakness um, really hurt the machinery manufacturers as well. So they simply can't install equipment quickly. So as of now, if you owned sawmills and you wanted to start a new mill, you'd be looking at 2023 to 2024 before the equipment manufacturers could even deliver you the equipment to be installed. Wow. So is there any end in sight here? Like, what's the remedy for somebody who's thinking, hey, I want to build out a garage and should I wait this out? And if so, how long am I waiting? So if you're looking for lumber prices to go back to where they were historically, so back to that $350 level, you're probably going to be waiting a really long time. So I would say don't wait for that. But lumber prices are very volatile. Mm -hmm. um, the mills have ratcheted up production. In addition, there are six new mills that have been announced and that, that should be starting up um, over the course of the latter part of this year and next year. Um, there's also two mills that just started up earlier this year. So we're seeing production start to come back. And then as we get towards the end of the year, lumber demand is seasonal, right? You just, you build more homes in the summertime because the weather's warmer, it's easier to work. And then you get into the wintertime and especially across the northern regions of the uh, country, you, you simply can't build as many homes. So actual demand for lumber will start to decline. Well, because the mills are making so much money, they will continue to, to produce lumber. And so we will see a rather sharp decline in lumber. And it's probably going to occur um, sometime late in the third quarter or, or early in the fourth quarter. So I guess maybe hope for a, a warm winter. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So one, one thing that I hadn't mentioned was that supply is actually, it can be affected by weather in the summer and in particular fires. So if you have fires, where are these fires occurring? They're occurring in the forests. Well, where do the trees grow? They grow in the forest. Mm. And the other piece here is that a lot of the, the loggers, a lot of the people who actually saw the, the trees down and, and bring them to the mill, they also work on the fire crews. So, and their, their equipment can be used to help to contain the fires as well. So, so what we see is if it's a bad fire season, we see some of the loggers getting pulled away from logging because they're starting to work with the fire crews also, depending on where the fires are, the mills might just simply have to shut down or they might not be able to access their timber. So one thing that I would caution on when you when you ask, is there, you know, is there any relief in sight? This year, the forests are very, very dry out west. Mm -hmm. So 
we could be in for a pretty bad fire season. And if we're in for a bad fire season, I think that you will see lumber prices over $2,000 per thousand board feet. Wow. So going from there, $1,500 today to over 2000 And again, just to put this into perspective, a month ago, lumber prices were uh, under $900. They're $1,500 today. And if we have a bad fire season, we could see them be significantly higher. Wow. So I guess that kind of gets me to my last question, which is... Like, I don't, I'm not a person who buys lumber, right? But I know that this is a thing because I saw it online, because it's kind of a thing in popular culture, and because, you know, people are going to Home Depot or whatever. And I guess I'm curious, kind of what you make of lumber becoming a a cultural phenomenon of sorts, right? Like, it's a meme right now. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, it is. (laughs) Um, We're actually joking around about it because... A year ago, no one cared at all about lumber. And now that's people seem to be talking about it all the time. So I would say that it's actually a really, really good thing for us as a nation and as a world. People don't really talk about this a lot, but if we're looking at, at our cities, if we're looking at how we construct buildings, we construct buildings out of concrete and steel. And concrete and steel actually produce a tremendous amount of carbon, both in their production mm-hmm. and in their uh, when you're actually erecting the buildings. Whereas lumber, um, lumber is made out of timber. And what is timber? It's carbon. So when you grow a tree, you are capturing carbon from the environment. When you take that tree, you turn it into lumber. Yes, you emit some carbon turning it into lumber, but you, you get that piece of lumber and that lumber sequesters carbon as long as it's stuck inside the building. And one thing that we're starting to see is they've actually developed new technologies, something called CLT or or cross-laminated timber, where they can actually laminate the lumber in big sheets and create these big, strong sheets, which are structurally, you could build um, very tall buildings. So if we can start building more and more of these buildings that have traditionally been made out of concrete and steel, if we can build them out of CLT or out of lumber, we're going to be able to sequester a tremendous amount of carbon So I think that actually having lumber more front and center in people's minds might actually be a pretty good thing in terms of the environment going forward. Lumber mania, good for the environment. Yeah, I know it's funny because most people don't think about it that way, but um, but it's something that actually, it, it could be part of the solution. And I hope people start thinking more about it that way. Wow, that's really interesting. Thanks. Thanks so much for coming on and for talking about this. You're welcome. I know you weren't expecting that little no. piece at the end. <laughs> I just really was like, wait, what? Where's he going with that? <laughs> I, I learned so much. This is, I mean, I feel like this is an endless, like, I just had no idea this would be all so complicated. But yeah, that's great to have a nice little, like, surprise at the end of, hey, thing I had no idea. Paul Yonke is a principal at Forest Economic Advisors. I'm Emily Stewart, and this is Tell Me More. Our producer is Sophie Lalonde. You can find more stories from Vox in the Vox Quick Hits feed wherever you get your podcasts. Send us your feedback and ideas at tellmemore at voxmedia.com. <laughs>